According to Boston University, just a quarter of 1% of the population in the United States makes it to be 100 years old. Today is the birthday of a Canton man who joined that very rare club, get this, five years ago. 105-year-old Frank White tells us stories of when the little hamlet of Pyrides was a bustling paper town. That's today's story of the day. Support for Story of the Day is provided by Renew Architecture and Design. Designing camps, custom homes, and more throughout NCPR's listening region. Details at RenewArchitecture.com. Hey, I'm David Summerstein. It's Tuesday, June 13th. First up, two former female corrections officers in Clinton County say they were sexually harassed and faced gender discrimination on the job. The two women, Regina Moore and Mandy Devins, are suing the Clinton County Sheriff's Office. A former deputy who previously spoke out about her own claims of harassment is again calling for Sheriff David Favreau to resign. Champlain Valley reporter Kara Chapman spoke with Carly Newton from the Plattsburgh Press Republican, who's been looking into the claims. What have the sheriff's office and the county done about these claims? So the county has not said a lot publicly about the lawsuits uh, that are facing the sheriff's office. Uh, When I spoke to Chairman Mark Henry last, he had issued a statement which highlighted their workplace violence policy And he said they take all complaints seriously while conducting investigations and any of those complaints. Um, Also in a statement, he had said the legislature has and will continue to evaluate the working environment uh, to ensure employees are safe and treated fairly. Uh, Similar to the county, Favreau could not speak on the lawsuits directly because it is a pending issue. And all he told me was that the attorneys are dealing with it at this time. And, uh, you know, one former sheriff's deputy, Chelsea Liberty, has been very vocal not just about these women's claims, but also claims that she has made against the sheriff's department. So can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, of course. So these lawsuits, they were actually brought to my attention uh, by Liberty when she attended the county legislator's last regular session meeting on May 24th. So since I last addressed the legislative body, two more women have now filed federal lawsuits against the Clinton County Sheriff's Office. That is now a total of five women, to include myself, that have publicly spoken out with claims of sexual harassment, discrimination, and or retaliation. Chelsea had also called on the sheriff to resign from his position at that May 24th uh, meeting again. Her reasoning for doing so, she said, was because there is no leadership or oversight of the sheriff's department under Favreau. And there is a serious concern for the safety of inmates and female employees within that facility. She actually ran against him, right, when he ran for re-election last year? Yeah, she wasn't able to get on the ballot, so she had to launch a writing campaign because it was too late in the election process. Ultimately, she ended up losing the election to Favreau. And what does Sheriff Favreau have to say about all this? How is he responding to Liberty's calls for him to resign? So Favreau's been pretty adamant that he won't step down as sheriff. Um, when I spoke to him last, he had called Liberty's calls for his resignation, bitter politics, and he had said she was playing games, and he said he would not engage in those games with her. He also said that he does not believe there's a serious issue within his department, like Liberty says there is. And while both of these lawsuits were filed in court recently, Favreau also told me they were not necessarily new, like Liberty had implied. He clarified that they were from the same investigation with the same people that has been ongoing for over a year and a half. And what's next for the lawsuits at this point? 
So the most recent development, in Moore's case specifically, is the Clinton County Sheriff's Office submitting a motion to dismiss her complaint on May 31st. And the motion to dismiss the Sheriff's Office had called Moore's claims unjustifiable and said they aimed to be provocative to garner media attention. Uh, It's unclear so far if the Sheriff's Office would do the same for Devin's lawsuit. That was Carly Newton from the Plattsburgh Press-Republican speaking with Champlain Valley reporter Kara Chapman about lawsuits against the Clinton County Sheriff's Office. The town of Canton is celebrating the birthday of one of its oldest residents today. Frank White turns 105 years old. White is a veteran, a skilled model boat builder, and the founding owner of White's Flowers. He loves the water and paddled in the very first Rushton canoe race in 1962. White grew up six miles outside of Canton, on his family's farm in the hamlet of Pyrides, when it was still a bustling paper mill town. He witnessed the closure of the mill and the onset of the Great Depression. Amy Fireisel interviewed him about his childhood in Pyrides five years ago, just before his 100th birthday. Here's part of that story. Frank was the oldest of eight kids. His uncle Harry worked for the mill, the DeGrasse River Paper Company, as a pipe fitter for the maintenance department. It's always something that's breaking down or has to be replaced, and that was his job. Uncle Harry worked the 4 to 11 shift. The paper mill ran 24-7 and lived in a company duplex. It was just one of the company housing options, including the Beehive, a low-rent apartment complex that housed immigrant families. They'd flocked there starting in 1904 when the mill opened. As a child, Frank spent a lot of time with those families. The kids were his classmates at the Pirates School. What Italian, Polish, French Canadian, Hungarians took care of me like I was taking care of at home. Frank says he never went inside the mill while it was running, but that it was a big part of his life. Walked by it every day. First thing you saw was the finishing room, railroad tracks. The train tracks that led from Pirates to Canton ran right along the White Farm property line. And Frank says he often jumped on board to hitch a ride home. The bus was another way to get to Pirates, and Canton residents crowded it on the weekends for dancing, nightlife, and booze. Frank was two years old when Prohibition began. According to him and Canton Town historian Linda Casserly, Pirates became a hotbed for bootlegging. Frank describes Pirates as having a sort of circle around it. No law went beyond that circle. That was a problem for Frank's family, because their home was right on the edge of it. Down around the corner, there was a road that went off to Herman and the parties. And they'd ever so often somebody be out there in our driveway waving everybody down and say, hey, they're uh, checking cars down here. You got anything on? Bang, they'd turn around and they were gone. Pirates had a bit of a wild reputation up until the plant's abrupt closure in 1930 by the International Paper Company, which had bought the mill in 1927. International Paper had decided transporting paper from northern New York downstate was too expensive. There were seven paper mills that was closed around the North Country, and they consolidated the paper making down to Corinth or Palmer, and that's where the great many of the employees of this paper mill went. Frank is referring to the Palmer Falls paper plant in Corinth, not far from Saratoga Springs. 
His uncle Harry ended up moving there, but there weren't nearly enough jobs for everyone. It was a hard blow, especially after the stock market crash of 1929. Almost overnight, Pyrides emptied out. I'd say 75% of the students I went to school with moved away. They followed the trade. What was I left up here for them to do? Frank says nearly all the first-generation families moved out. And the folks that stayed were farmers, Irish immigrants, and local families who'd been there before the mill ever opened. There was nothing left. Uh, All the stores closed. The hotel got torn down. No reason for a bar room. There was no reason for a ball team. The machinery in the mill was eventually junked for scrap metal, and most of the company housing was moved or taken apart. The sudden loss of the mill and its workers, the depression... It was grim in the early 1930s. Frank says his family was really lucky to be farmers. We sold milk to Clercourt. That was double the money, and we were getting at the, at the plant. White says the family farm and selling milk is what got his family through many hard, lean years. As an adult, he served in the Army during World War II, then graduated from SUNY Canton when it was an agricultural school. He started his own florist business on Minor Street, which is still in operation today. The Canton Historical Collection is celebrating White's life at an open house from 4 to 6 this afternoon, going on right as Story of the Day shows up in your podcast feed, so you might still be able to get there. We have more news all the time on our website, ncpr.org. Music today by the Saranac Project of Saranac Lake and Matt Bullwinkle of Potsdam. I'm David Summerstein, North Country Public Radio.